Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. I am so excited that you chose just to spend a few minutes with us um, on your Sunday morning, on your weekend here in South Florida. The weather's gorgeous. It's stunning outside, and you chose to come in here and hang with us, so we're just so thankful that you're here. We have been, for the last 10 weeks now, spending time and looking at this idea called the big story. It's this idea that God, through the Bible, right, wrote a big story that culminates right in the life of Jesus, the Messiah that was prophesied. And what we did is we actually took some time as we set out at the beginning of this year to ask a couple of questions. And we just said, hey, if we were you and you've been sitting here, maybe you're new to the local church, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've been around for a while, we thought that people would be asking a question related to the things we've been talking about, the people we've been talking about. And the question was this, how does this all tie together, right? From start to finish, how does this Bible, this book, this scriptures, whatever you want to refer to it as, right? How does this all tie together? So what we did is we spent about eight weeks going through some very historical people in the scriptures. We talked about Moses and Joseph and Daniel and Queen Esther and all these important people. And then finally, we culminated a couple of weeks ago by talking about the life of Jesus. This person who came to earth was God, came to earth in human form, prophesied by all these people that the Messiah would eventually come, and then he claimed to be the Messiah and then went and died and rose again to prove it. So we talked about Jesus. But if you were me, you'd probably think on the surface level, hey, the big story ends, it ended with Jesus, but it's actually not the case. No, in fact, the big story had to continue. The big story had to continue after Jesus. That's where some of those people who were witness to him and his teachings and his gospel began to kind of set out and go and spread his message. So then we started to ask another question. Hey, who were those people who followed after Jesus? Who were those who followed after Jesus, and who do we want to talk about from this stage? Who do we want to kind of highlight and showcase and have a conversation about as we're here at DHC? So last week, we talked about a guy by the name of Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends, one of Jesus's disciples, who was a mess in ways and had a lot of things in his life that did not line up with what we thought they should line up like. And yet Jesus said to him, hey, Peter, you are going to be a vessel that I use, that I choose to go and spread my gospel, my truth. You are the rock. We talked about that last week. And this week, I just got to tell you, is going to be a very unique message. This week is going to be one of the most powerful messages that we've ever done in the history of Downtown Harbor Church. This week is going to be a message about a person that I truly believe has not been talked about a lot. In fact, as I bounced kind of this message off a couple of folks that I just interact, or interact with in my life and talk to them about who's coming up next, who are we talking about next, every single person who I've bounced this off of have said to me, I've never heard a message about that person ever in my time in the local church. I've never heard a message about this individual. And this individual was a follower of Jesus. In fact, Jesus changed their life. And this person was one of the people who went out and helped spread his gospel, his truth. And that person, I'm sorry if this blinds a couple of you, right? Right off the bat. That person was Mary Magdalene. 
And she is such an interesting person in the history of the scripture that we had no choice but to kind of take a second and talk about who she is because there's so much to learn about her and so many misconceptions about her. And I want to bring them to the surface today. But before I do, I want to talk to you about something before we dive in. I want to talk to you about women and how they were viewed during that time. Okay? And this is an issue that is even present in our current day, isn't it? It's kind of risen to the surface, this idea of women in culture. It's kind of at the forefront of some things that people are talking about, whatever side you're on there, because I know it's heated, and that's not what we do from this stage. But it's an issue that's persistent. But women of the time, thousands of years ago, when the scriptures were written, were people who were oppressed. They were people who were looked down upon. They were not elevated in society. In fact, they were shunned in many ways. So women of the time were not even permitted to speak in court, even if they were an eyewitness. Their testimony would not hold up in a court of law during biblical times. That's how oppressed women were. And yet Jesus chose someone. Jesus chose someone to invest in and to care about, and that person was Mary Magdalene. He was changing culture day by day, step by step. But here's what I want you to know about Mary Magdalene, which is so interesting. We don't know a lot about Mary Magdalene. We just don't. There's not a lot about her written in the scriptures. There's very few things, but there's not a lot about Mary Magdalene. You know, the guy we talked about last week, Peter, right? There's a ton written about this guy. The guy that we're going to talk about next week, Paul, who was one of kind of the founders of the Christian faith, right? He wrote a lot about it. There's a lot written about him. There is not a lot written about Mary Magdalene, yet she is one of the most famous people in the entire Bible, Culturally, she's known about because she is one of the most famous people in the scriptures, and we don't even know that much about her. She's been elevated recently in terms of theories and speculations and writings from authors and movies. That's how famous this person is. So we don't know a lot about her, but here's what we do know, and it's important for us to look at what we do know. Because there are a lot of misconceptions about this person. So I want to clear those up as we dive into who she is today. Here's the first thing I want you to know that we know about her. She wasn't the wife of Jesus. It's important for us to just say that, hey, that's what I believe, that's what we believe. She was not the wife of Jesus. That's been controversial. The Da Vinci Code thing came out. Maybe you even liked the movie. I thought the movie was decent. But we do not believe that she's actually the wife of Jesus. And one of the reasons is why, because we believe that the Scripture does not ever address that. The Scripture does not ever call her that. Jesus never calls her that. Furthermore, we just believe this. We just believe the scriptures to teach us that Jesus wasn't married. And if Jesus was married, wouldn't you think that he would have taught us a lot more than he did about marriage? He taught us a lot about everything on this earth, how to love other people, right? How to actually seek after God, what to do in those situations. But we did not hear a lot from Jesus about marriage. And so we do not believe that Mary Magdalene was the wife of Jesus. That's a misconception. That's what we do know. Here's another misconception. Oftentimes, Mary Magdalene is mistaken for something. She's mistaken for a prostitute. People always go, oh yeah, I know who Mary Magdalene is. She was that prostitute. No, she was not. 
the scripture never addresses Mary Magdalene's relationships or prostitution. It is not addressed in the Bible. And a lot of times people are also confused between Mary Magdalene and Jesus's earthly mother, Mary, right? They are different people. So just don't misunderstand that. Here's another thing that we do know about Mary, and this is so key. She was possessed by seven demons. She was possessed by seven demons. Now, let me pause for a second. Because a lot of times people hear this and they go, I don't really understand this. What are you talking about? What are you talking about demonically? Like, are these creatures like living inside of people? Well, here's the true answer. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if it's like Sigourney Weaver was in Ghostbusters, because that was a fantastic movie, wasn't it? I mean, if you have not seen Ghostbusters 1 in a while, put that on your you know, playlist. I love that movie. Rick Moranis, Bill Murray, how can you not love that film, right? That's my ADD kicking in, okay? So anyway, but we do know that she was possessed by seven demons. And the scripture also tells us that Jesus delivered her from being possessed by those demons. But... I wanted to do a little bit more research on demons and historically what they've meant because a lot of times people are like, you know, it always isn't these creatures, this evil living inside someone. And I went back and I looked up, hey, what were some of the demons that Mary Magdalene struggled with? And I think that some of us in this room could probably even relate to it or we know somebody who could relate to this because it's historically documented that she struggled with something. She struggled with serious mental illness. And just maybe, just maybe demons just aren't the creatures that are possessing our bodies, but it's a serious mental illness. And I just have to tell you something. If you've known anybody who's struggled with serious mental illness, whether that's anxiety or depression or anything that overtakes you, allow me to tell you something. It actually feels to people like a demon is taking over their body that they're not in control, that they have no way out, that they're almost outside of their own skin. A lot of us have seen that in our lives. And maybe, just Mary, maybe historically, that's what Mary Magdalene struggled with. Regardless, Jesus said, the scripture says that Jesus delivered her from that. The book of Luke, chapter 8. If you're going to follow along in one of those Bibles on your chairs, you're welcome to take one of those if you'd like, um, or any mobile device. If not, um, as always, the scriptures will be on our screen. Um, Luke is in the New Testament right in the beginning of it. It says this, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. And we don't exactly know what that looks like. We don't exactly know what she was struggling with, but you know what we do know? We can glean from this and we can look at this. She was a broken person. Mary Magdalene was a person who was broken. Maybe something broke her. Maybe when she was a childhood, or she, in childhood, something broke her. Maybe an event in her life broke her. Maybe a relationship broke her. I don't know what broke her, but all I can tell you is this, is that she was a broken person. And here's the deal. Here's a question for you. Let's just sidebar a second. Have you ever known anyone in your life who was broken? Think about this. Have you ever known anyone in your life who was broken, who struggled with something, and you just said, man, they're down, they're out, and I don't know if they have any hope. They probably have very little hope. 
Something has taken them completely out of the game. They're off their game. They're broken. Ever known anybody like that? And you just said, I don't even know that I can be around him anymore or I can help him because they're so far gone. They're so far out in left field. They're so far broken. Maybe, maybe just today, you're broken. Maybe you're here for a time just such as this because you're dealing with something in your life and you just need God's help to deal with it. I don't know where everybody in the room's at, but I can tell you this. Here's what I probably know about the life of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene probably had very little hope. Mary Magdalene probably had very little hope, and she was dealing with these things. And demons, whatever those demons were, were haunting her. And Jesus delivered her from those demons. She was actually healed. So I want to make another point about the life of Mary Magdalene related to her relationship with the Savior of the world, the Messiah of the world. Jesus chose her. What do I mean when I say that? What do I mean when I say Jesus chose her? The book of John, chapter 20, right? If you want to turn there and follow along with us, I'm going to be there for a long time in the next couple of minutes, so don't miss that. The book of John, chapter 20, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. Early on the first day of the week, now let me pause for a second, don't miss this. The events that I'm about to talk about are after the crucifixion of Jesus. We talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus, and we used this prop to represent the Last Supper, about how Jesus was put on trial and sentenced to death, and he was crucified on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem on a hillside. These events happen after the crucifixion of Jesus, right? So important for us to understand that. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb where Jesus was buried and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. We're going to talk about these events in a couple of weeks on Easter because they're so transformative and massive, but we're not going to land there today, right? So she came running to Simon Peter, the disciple we talked about last week, and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Basically, guys, they took our Savior's body. They took my teacher's body. They took the Messiah's body. What did they do with it? They're going to vandalize it. Who stole this man? How can we mourn? How can we weep? How can we pay respect? Who took him? But then we go back to the question. What do you mean Jesus chose her? What are you talking about? How does that make any sense at all? It goes on, John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18, after those events. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Don't miss this. Saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And the angel actually, the scripture says, spoke to her. They asked her, woman, I like to put a little attitude in there. Woman, right? Just kidding. Why are you, why, why are you crying? And then she said, they have taken away my Lord. She said, and I don't know where they have put him. He's gone. He's not here. As this, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there because Jesus had resurrected from the grave. 
but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And it's so interesting that she didn't realize that it was him because it just lets us into something that we may not have common knowledge of, that Jesus, after he resurrected from the grave, at some level looked different than he did than when he was on earth because Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him and she would have known what he looked like. He delivered her. She followed him for a long time and saw the things that he did and then helped talk to other people about him. She would have recognized him. And then he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And then something happened. Something that is transformative for the history of humanity. Don't miss this. The history of culture, the history of humanity, the history of the future, of the oppression of people, no longer women or men, but people. Jesus said to her in that moment, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. And Mary did. She ran to his disciples and told them what she had seen, this miraculous resurrection of the prophesied Messiah. The risen Messiah had appeared. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Because you know what? When we read that, historically in the Christian faith, historically in the church, we celebrate that the risen Messiah had appeared. It is the foundation of Christianity. It is the foundation of the Jesus movement. It is the only reason, the resurrection of Jesus, that we are sitting in this room today. But that is not what we are talking about today. Because so often when people read that scripture, they focus on that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. That's a big deal. But today I want to focus on something else. Not just just that the risen Messiah had appeared, but who he appeared to. Who he appeared to. Because he chose to appear to a person who was broken. He chose to appear to a woman who didn't even have the right to speak in court. He chose to appear to someone who his love was transformative for and he knew was going to go spread his message of hope. You know who he didn't appear to? He didn't appear to somebody who had a platform. He didn't appear to somebody who could have easily spread the message of his resurrection. He chose different, challenging culture in every single way right where it was at. Because he could have appeared to any person or being or platform that he wanted to because he was God and he just proved it. But he appeared not to a king, not to somebody who could have ruled with an iron fist and made it known. He appeared not to a male disciple, which is also so interesting for us to think about. He didn't appear to a male disciple. He appeared to a person who was broken. He appeared to a person who struggled. He appeared to a person who did not have it all together. To a woman whose love led her to the grave. That's who he appeared to. That's who he said mattered. Because if he could appear to anybody 
anybody he wanted and he chose her, then we, a couple thousand years later, need to take seriously the example of Jesus because in that moment, he said to her and he said to each one of us, in my opinion, I am appearing to you because I choose you. And you represent brokenness and weakness and oppression, and I'm coming to you. Not third, not fourth, not tenth, first. Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the resurrection. Mary Magdalene was the first witness to the most amazing event in the history of humanity. And we need to take that ever so seriously. That's what we know about her. That's what we do know about her. We know who Jesus cared about. We knew that Jesus came for everyone, including those who were the most broken. So every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put a word on the screen. We put a word on the screen so that you can hear exactly what you need to hear on Sunday and put it into practice in your life on Monday. And so that word is practical. What's the practical in this message? Now, I'm going to look at the practical today from two different perspectives. I'm going to look at the practical based on you, and I'm going to look at the practical based on other people who are around you. And let's start there for a second, right? Because I know that in your life, you are probably surrounded by brokenness. You're probably surrounded by people who you would say, they don't have it all together. You're probably surrounded by people who've hurt you. You're probably surrounded by people who you go, they may never make it in life. That's how far gone they are. This is just one of the things that I believe that we need to do. This is one of the things that I believe that we need to practice to the best of our ability. We need to give someone another chance in life. Give somebody another chance. And then after you give them a chance and they fail, give them another one. And then after they get, you give them a chance and they fail again, give them another chance. And then after you give them another chance and they fail another time, give them another chance. As many times as you can hold someone up versus push someone down because that's what Jesus did to one of the most broken that we've ever seen. A demon-possessed woman who was probably hopeless and Jesus said, I'll give you hope. I got you. No matter how far gone you are, give someone around you another chance in life. Be Jesus to them just like he was to Mary Magdalene. And then maybe, maybe today you're broken. I don't know where everybody in this room's at. Sometimes I don't even know where I'm at. But maybe you're broken. And maybe somewhere along the way something happened to you and you couldn't get out of it. Maybe somewhere along the way something happened to you and you said, I just let this overtake me and it took me down and I got to come out of this, right? Here's what I want you to know. Right where you're at, right in the middle of what you are dealing with, understand something. Through your brokenness, Jesus is right there. Understand that Jesus is right there. He didn't go anywhere. Because we believe him to be God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is all three combined in one. And he miraculously appeared on this earth. And he is right there. He is never going anywhere. And he has promised never, ever to leave you. No matter how broken you are. No matter how bad it gets. No matter how long it takes you to recover. I just believe this also. If that's where you're at, 
and you're broken, let Jesus heal you. I just need to say this. If you're broken and you're dealing with something, there is an opportunity for restoration. There is an opportunity for redemption. Don't let moments of brokenness define your life. Let Jesus define your life through healing so you can appear restored and redeemed and you can tell others your story and go out and change the world just like she did. And when he first appeared to Mary, do you know what he did first? Because she thought he was the gardener. And until he spoke, she didn't even realize it was him. You know what he did? He simply called her name. All he said was Mary. And she immediately knew. It was a simple word that he used that was so powerful and so profound that set humanity on a different course, elevating the position of women, elevating the position of brokenness to a world that so desperately needed it. And when you're in a desperate state and you're broken, maybe there's just one thing you can do and we can take his example in doing it. All we, all we might need to do is just call on his name. And just say one simple word. Jesus. And maybe that's all you need to say. And you can understand and experience the transformative power of an amazing God who proved that he was the Messiah by conquering the grave. I don't know much. I really don't. But I'll just tell you this. I'm a living, breathing example of brokenness who would only be restored and redeemed through the power of Jesus in my life. That's it. And the question is not if you experience brokenness. And you all know what I'm going to say. It's when you experience brokenness call in the name of Jesus. Because I truly believe this. Jesus came for everyone, even those who were most broken. And so often culture and society and us personally, because we have this standard or we've dealt with hurt, we write off the broken. We write off the people who need us the most. People who are broken don't need to be cast out. They don't need to be having thrown stone at them. They need to be lifted up. They need a healing touch. They need you. They need Jesus, so be there for them just like he was for her because he came for everyone, even those who were the most broken. And when we understand that, we have a little bit of a different perspective, don't we? We have a little bit of a different take on life to go, he came for her. That's not what the local church has told me. We know that's why we're here. We want you to know Jesus came for everyone, even those who were the most down, the most broken, the most oppressed. He did. And he proved it by appearing to her first. So true. So powerful. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your example. We thank you that you came for the broken. We thank you that you came for us who are broken. May we in this room, even in this moment, experience healing and restoration. May we in this room just say to you, Lord Jesus, if you've never entered my life, come on in. Come on in right now and change my heart and mind and, and soul from the inside out. Heal me. I need to be better. I don't want to struggle with whatever I'm struggling with anymore. Jesus, we pray that for those who are hurting and now who are broken and those who will experience it in the future. And we know, God, that you're hearing and answering that prayer. We'll be so quick to give you all the glory because we know that it's going to happen and restoration will occur.
And God, we just tell you we love you. We tell you we thankful for this, we're thankful for this church in this day. We give you praise for who you are. And we ask all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.